0: And on this week's show, we analyse Africa's performance at the Olympics in the men's football competition as Ivory Coast and Egypt went the furthest but exited at the quarter-final stage. And we hear from Stuart on the experience of being at the Olympics there in Tokyo. Also, as the French League One gets underway this weekend with many Africans based in France, we hear from Nigeria winger Moses Simon, who plays for Nantes. Simon's also featured in the top leagues in Slovakia, Belgium and Spain the Slovak league is more physical,
1: then uh, the Spanish league is more tactical, and the French league is more physical.
0: That's coming later and we start with one of the biggest African football stories of the past week. That's the former Confederation of African Football president Isa Hayatu being banned by FIFA for a year. Hayatu is a former FIFA vice president. He was the CAF president for 29 years up to 2017. Now, FIFA found that Hayatu had breached the article relating to duty of loyalty in their code of ethics. And FIFA's investigation centered on Hayatu's involvement in the deal struck with Lagardère Sports over the media and marketing rights of competitions organized by CAF while he was the CAF president. Now, the 12-year deal was signed in 2015. It came into effect in 2017 and was worth $1 billion for those 12 years. And now FIFA ruled that Hayatu had entered into an anti-competitive agreement with Lagardère, which was detrimental and caused significant damage to CAF. Hayatu's ban means that he can't be involved in January's Africa Cup of Nations, being held in his home country of Cameroon. Now CAF terminated the broadcast rights deal with Lagardere in 2019, feeling that they could get a better deal, but there's been no deal of note and there was no African football on satellite TV broadcast in sub-Saharan Africa for the past two years, with the one exception being the CAF Champions League final last month. So what do you make of this Aida? Uh, a vote of no confidence from FIFA on Hayatu maybe and Hayatu's successor Ahmed was criticized for terminating the Lagarde deal uh, but maybe he was right to say that it was a bad deal for Kef.
2: Well it's one of those situations where you just can't win you know you are pretty much damned if you do damned if you don't because Hayatu criticized and now paying the price for signing the deal well, Steve, we all know the criticism that Ahmad has also received for terminating it. You know, it's a total catch-22. And you can see Hayatu serving a one-year ban, while Ahmad is also currently serving a two-year ban after the FIFA Ethics Committee found him guilty of pretty much the same thing, financial wrongdoing. And in this case, FIFA ruling for Hayatu that this anti-competitive agreement with Lagarde amounts to just over $12.5 million in damages, Steve. Now, for this, Hayatu has also been fined 30,000 Swiss francs, which is roughly around $33,000. Though it's pretty much unclear how FIFA can enforce payment, and not just for this situation, but many others, although that's a story for another day. But what's also unclear, Steve, is If this FIFA ban will actually affect Hayatou's honorary membership of the International Olympic Committee. Now, he got that honorary status that was after his 15-year membership ended back in 2016. So, look, this definitely does have a domino effect. And all in all, must be a blow for the 74-year-old. I mean, he was made CAF honorary president just over a year ago, Steve. And as you've said, surely... With uh, the Afghan in Cameroon next year, this is quite the blow. But, you know, it is certainly an interesting, but I will say unsurprising ruling from FIFA. Uh, Not forgetting that Hayatu served as FIFA interim president. Remember that? Uh, For a few months back when Sepp Blatter had been suspended back in 2015. And it could have been worse. I mean, look at what happened to former IWF President Lamin Diak, for example, getting a two-year jail sentence at the age of 87. So, Steve, hopefully, and this is a big hopefully, that such surely is in the past with the new CAF administration.
0: Yes, indeed. And we'll see what comes out of this, uh, this one-year ban for the uh, former CAF President Isa Hayatu. Right to the Tokyo Olympics now and in the men's football competition, Spain play Brazil in the final on Saturday. Spain beat Ivory Coast 5-2 after extra time in the quarterfinals and Brazil knocked out Egypt 1-0 also in the quarterfinals. So there's not going to be an African winner this time and indeed it's been a long time. Cameroon were the gold medalists in 2000 and Nigeria in 1996. Uh, Well, firstly, Ida, that quarter-final was really a game that Ivory Coast should have won.
2: Maybe, Steve, but in the end there, honestly, it really did seem like everything just went south for the African side, you know, almost like they were on self-destruct mode. And uh, just to remind the listeners that the Olympic men's football competition in Tokyo has been restricted to the national under-24 teams, but with a maximum of three over-age players. Now, with that said, it must have been a game of mixed emotions for one of Ivory Coast's senior players Eric Bailey who really did go from hero to villain you know Bailey scored the opener only to concede a penalty after frankly what was a bizarre handball And that, it seems, at least if you ask me, might have been the turning point for the team because the Ivorians simply couldn't keep up in extra time. It looked like they weren't even ready for the game to go into extra time. They seemed tired, you know. And it could have been a combination of a couple of things. Much fitness, one, to actually be able to take it the extra mile, literally. It could have been the mental experience. You know, the lack of mental experience of games going that long, you know, that also seemed lacking. And Spain, Steve, are coincidentally enough the last European team to win men's football Olympic gold. That was back in 1992, even further back, if you think about it, than an African team winning it. And they are finally in with another shot when they take on Brazil in the final.
0: Yes, and it's turning out to be a long wait for Africa to win men's football gold again. Is this saying
2: something about the state of African football? It definitely is, Steve. And I'm sure that when African countries won the Olympic men's football gold back to back, I bet no one would have guessed that it would be 21 years and counting, you know, for another gold. And Steve, it's no secret that African football is probably an arguably, honestly, in one of the worst states it's ever been in. And such situations are just a manifestation of what's really going on on the ground. I mean, one can argue that countries don't really feel they're strongest for the football Olympics anymore. I mean, we were just discussing that. Uh, these have predominantly been the under 24 and under 23 teams. But Steve, it doesn't negate that an Olympic medal is still the most prestigious thing in sport globally. And we've said it before, we'll say it again, that the lack of structures in African football will ultimately affect everything in the game, on the continent, and even this, because this is also directly related to, say, lack of youth development structures that can eventually transition to senior football. I mean, we've had that problem in Africa for quite a while. Nigeria, for example, Steve, have been world under-17 champions five times, yet we see them struggling, even in the Nations Cup. So, look, it's going to take a lot, Kudos to Ivory Coast, kudos to South Africa and Egypt who qualified beyond what was the group of death. Kudos, but more definitely needs to be done and not even necessarily by the players first, but by the powers that be.
0: Yes, sure. Thanks, Ida. And we can go to Tokyo now. Stuart Weir is there. When we spoke to him last week, he'd only just come out of hotel quarantine. Uh, So, Stuart, how are the Games going there in Tokyo?
3: Well, Steve, this is my fifth Olympics. The Games, of course, were postponed for a year, almost cancelled altogether, and it has been a great effort by the Japanese hosts to make the Games happen and to do so in a safe manner in the midst of a global pandemic. But... The Games are going well, I think. I've always felt safe. I'm enjoying the Games and feel immensely privileged to be here.
0: Yeah, it must be amazing to be there. And uh, Stuart, last week you mentioned uh, all the restrictions in place there in Tokyo. Uh, Has that been a problem?
3: Well, you're always aware of it, but you have to accept that it's necessary to ensure that the Games can actually take place. I mean, you're always having identity checks and luggage screening before you enter an Olympic venue... This time you also have to sanitise your hands, have a temperature check. I've done five COVID tests since I've been here. I have three more before I can go home. And you have to remember to do them the day that they're required. At previous Olympics, I would wake up in the morning and see that the cycling or the swimming looks interesting and go there. But now unless I've actually put swimming or cycling on my official activity plan, which I had to submit before coming, I'm not allowed to go there. In the end, to make life simple, I indicated that I just wanted to go to the Olympic Stadium, where the athletics takes place. A bonus I discovered afterwards is that the women's football final is in the Olympic Stadium, so I'll be able to go and see that. But I do regret that all the spontaneity has been taken away, but of course I understand why. I mean, one frustration is that I chose a hotel just three stops from the stadium on the subway. But as part of the COVID precautions for foreign journalists, we're not allowed to use the subway until we've been in Japan for two weeks. If I take the media bus, I have to go into the centre of Tokyo and come back out again, a journey of over two hours to do three kilometres in the direction I want to go. I mean, one frustration is that I chose a hotel just three stops from the stadium on the subway. But as part of the COVID precautions for foreign journalists, we're not allowed to use the subway until we've been in Japan for two weeks. If I take the media bus, I have to go into the centre of Tokyo and come back out again, a journey of over two hours to do three kilometres in the direction I want to go.
0: Well, quicker to walk if you were allowed to then. And, uh, Stuart, uh, sum it up for us. So, what would you say makes the Olympics so special?
3: Well, the two biggest sport events in the world are the football World Cup and the Olympics. And of course, the World Cup is one sport, just football. The Olympics is over forty sports. The World Cup has got thirty-two or perhaps forty-eight countries. The Olympics about two hundred countries. And in 2012 and 2016 Olympics, I worked with the Togo West Africa team. That was a team of six athletes from different sports. None of them with any chance of winning a medal, but having the time of their lives. And, you know, this time I enjoyed talking to Fabrice from Togo, now in his second Olympics. And I was able to share a moment with Makusha, who won his prelim and progressed to the second round of the men's 100 metre, a great achievement for a Zimbabwean sprinter. And Makusha and Fabrice can call themselves Olympians for the rest of their lives. All Olympians live together in the Olympic Village, a community of about 10,000 people meaning that a Togolese swimmer can find herself in a shop with the world's best tennis player or eating lunch at the next table to a world-famous gymnast. No other sports event makes this possible. And just to show you that this really does happen... In the 2012 London Olympics, I found myself having breakfast sitting opposite the Manchester United legend Ryan Giggs. And incidentally, Giggs told me that as somebody who only knew football, he loved being with people from a range of sports in the Olympics. Unfortunately, in Tokyo 2020, the downside is that athletes are also living under the same regulations uh, as the media. They're not allowed to leave the village except to train or compete. No sightseeing, no shopping. Normally athletes would compete and then party. This year they compete and go home within two days. They're discouraged from socialising outside the team bubble. I interviewed an athlete in the village this week. We had to stand two to three metres apart with a barrier down the middle. Not very conducive to having a relaxed conversation. But, you know, as in everything else, one commends the Japanese for finding a way to stage the Games and accepts all the restrictions. The sports included in the Olympic programme include individual sports like athletics, swimming, team sports like football, basketball, hockey... There's boxing and wrestling and fencing. But then there are sports like artistic gymnastics or synchronised swimming, which, while they require a high level of fitness and skill, look to me more like art than sport. And in order to appeal to the younger audience, the Olympics keeps introducing new sports. I mean, we've got skateboarding and climbing. For the first time this year and the first skateboard medals went to a 12 year old who narrowly beat a 13 year old to win and over 80 countries have won a medal in these olympics still called tokyo 2020 even though they're in 2021 and that includes 11 african countries ghana ivory coast egypt namibia uganda nigeria kenya morocco tunisia south africa and ethiopia
0: Right, so that's a part of what makes the Olympics so special and I've really enjoyed some of these sports like skateboarding and surfing as well as the athletics uh, and the football of course and uh, many other sports. Uh, Now then Stuart let's get your views on the football tournament at the Olympics. Uh, There's a huge following for the football in Africa and in South America too with the success that they've had uh, over the years. Uh, Of course the Olympics football tournament is for under 23s in the men's uh, plus three overage players. Well, under 23 this time around as the Olympics was delayed by a year Uh, while for the women there's no age restriction Uh, but uh, how important would you say the football is at the Olympics Stuart?
3: Well that's a great question Steve you know the men's football has been in the Olympics since 1932 women since 1996 and the women's competition is very important almost on a par with the World Cup but the problem with the men's football is that clubs generally do not want their players playing in the Olympics, partly because of the timing just before the new season in Europe, and perhaps also meaning that players don't get a summer break. Um, for example, Mo Salah, I understand, was very keen to play for Egypt this summer, but Liverpool put pressure on him not to do so. That means that the men's football teams at the Olympics rarely include the country's top players. But that said, Brazil won in 2016 in a home Olympics with Neymar in the team.
0: Yes, and big names have played at the Olympics football tournament uh, over the course of the years. Thanks a lot, Stuart. That's Stuart Weir in Tokyo at the Olympics. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And still to come, a look ahead to the start of the French League One season. We'll hear from Nigeria winger Moses Simon, who plays there. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA, and our website is planetsport.tv. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs too in our archive. To download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Right to social media now. Last week, our question was, which could be the surprise team in the English Premier League this season? Just one week away now is the new season, so we asked her, outside of the regular top performers like Man City, Man United, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal, Leicester and Tottenham, which smaller team might do well and maybe challenge for a top six finish? With the comments, here's Planet Sport
4: Football Africa's Ifrem Tagu. Thanks Steve and on WhatsApp we start with a smart Eddie in Uganda who says, I think it'll be Everton. Despite the fact that they've lost one of the best coaches in world football in Carlo Ancelotti this time round, I think they're going to be among the top six. Kalilu Sambu in Senegal agrees, Everton will do well and will maybe challenge for a top six finish, says Kalilu. And Son in Nigeria also agrees, I think Everton will do well because they have signed one of the best coaches in the world and I think they will do better next season than last when they finished 10th. Yes, it will be interesting to see how the Toffees fare with Rafa Benitez at the helm this season after Ancelotti left at the end of last season to rejoin Real Madrid. Alpha Jalloh in the Gambia picks uh, two teams uh, to look out for. My surprise packages last season were Leeds United and Aston Villa. And I'm still going with these two teams to surprise everyone this season and get to Europe. And even if possible, to get to the Champions League, says Alpha. Last year, Leeds finished ninth and it was their debut season after many years away. So I'm really hoping they will do even better this year. Morning, John. Got in touch from Zambia. I think three teams can challenge, says John. Aston Villa, Brentford and Leeds United. Villa, if they can keep Grealish and Brentford on the evidence of their friendly draw last week at Old Trafford. But Leeds United, I feel, will... Uh, just push on from the debut campaign last season. Bielsa seems to have uh, mastered the English game and its demands, and that is why I am tipping them for a European place come the end of the season. And uh, Khalifa Sanyang in the Gambia agrees, my choice is Leeds United, with Bielsa still in charge. They're just one or two signings away from challenging the top six. Uh, They'll be a tough side to beat this season. Meanwhile, Ifratha Kamanga in Malawi puts his faith in one of the newly promoted teams. I think this year Brentford will do well, says Ifratha. They create chances and play very well. And that view is shared by Mwanda Zambwe in Zambia. Brentford could be the surprise team to watch, says Mwenda. Amadou Baji in the Gambia also believes one of the newly promoted sides can do well. From my point of view... Says Amadu, I believe it will be Norwich City simply because they did well in the championship and they are now back in the English Premier League. and They have consistency and if they can maintain the tempo of their style of play, I think they can finish in the top ten. Emma in the Gambia got in touch to remind us that one of the so-called smaller teams did manage to break into the top six last season. West Ham will be the surprise team again, says Emma. Their performance last season was great, and if they can hold on to their best players and they can be a surprise team once more. And Usman Mohammed in Cameroon agrees, West Ham will do it again, says Usman. They played really well last season, and I think they will maintain the spirit and improve even more this season. I just wish them all the best. And Sunkaru Bambasoa in the Gambia also agrees. Probably West Ham if they don't sell their players, says Sunkaru, who adds. But I think we should also watch out for Leeds and Aston Villa. Bolong Baji, also in the Gambia, also goes for West Ham, picking out two players who he believes make a big impression. West Ham have great players, says Bolong, like Aaron Cresswell, who is a goal orchestrator, and Mark Noble, who scores amazing goals. But Richard Deco Ababio in Ghana takes a very different perspective. I don't think any of the smaller teams can challenge for the top six, says Richard. So there you have it, Steve. Plenty of expectation that Everton, West Ham and Leeds will have another good season with many of our correspondents this week. Also giving the thumbs up to two of the newly promoted teams, Brentford and Norwich. It's going to be another fascinating season for sure. Oh Yes,
0: it is. Uh, Thanks a lot to Ephraim. That's Planet Sport Football Africa's Ephraim Tagu. Thanks to everyone who got in touch. Uh, No mentions there for Wolves, who've done well in the past couple of seasons. I must say, I wonder about Brentford, who did get a mention there. And we'll get Stuart's views on the newly promoted teams on the show next week. Uh, Brentford going up, along with Norwich and Watford. And uh, Jack Grealish mentioned there, leaving Aston Villa, a big signing for Manchester City. Right, this week we're asking, who do you think will be the English Premier League champions? So the new season starting next weekend, so who do you think will take it? And also, will it be a close race? Uh, last season, Man City were clear winners. Will it be the same story again? Or can teams like Manchester United, Liverpool or Chelsea mount a challenge? Will someone else take the title maybe, like Leicester or Tottenham? So tell us who you think will be the champions and why, and also if you're expecting a tight contest or not. You can post a comment on our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus 4479 at double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Always great to hear from you. Who do you think will be the English Premier League champions this season? So the Premier League starting next weekend and this weekend the curtain raiser, Manchester City taking on Leicester on Saturday in the Community Shield. Well, the French League One gets underway this weekend with many Africans based in France. And Nigeria winger Moses Simon plays for Nantes in the French top flight. They survived through the relegation playoffs last season and are hoping for a better season this time around. Now, Simon has played in the top leagues in Slovakia, Belgium and Spain before moving to France. And Planet Sport Football Africa's Olawashina Okaleji asked him about his journey.
1: Yeah, actually, I would say the... First of all, the Slovakian league, the Slovak league, is more physical for a start. I think it's good for a player that wants to start. And then the Belgian league, it exposes me more than, uh, than the Slovak league. Then uh, the Spanish league is more technical. More, I would say more technique skills. And, uh, and the French league is more physical. And technique, a little bit.
5: But you started with like a house on fire. You started eating goals from the moment you joined Nancy on um, an initial loan and ordered. But you seem to have settled in well. The French league seems to be somewhere you enjoy.
1: Yeah, actually, yes, I would say. It. And, uh, you know, I think uh, my football is all about, I have uh, physic and uh, speed. I think it's good for the league if you have such
5: you are a family man every time you're playing for nigeria and every time you're home on holiday it's you your wife and your kids um it's not easy for a footballer to juggle boats be a father be um you know a footballer and all that but how have you been able to manage that
1: yeah for me i would say it's good and uh with the help of my wife Mm. so and she makes this easy for me despite i'm not there she's there for me to show the kids your father is out there working so for them to know that, yes, um, she's there, that means I'm there also. So it's good. And whenever I'm home, i always be with them, and that's it. For country as well, Nigeria, you guys qualify on beating in your
5: qualifying. Everyone is tipping you to go all the way and win the AFCON. You were part of the team that finished third in Egypt in yeah. 2019. Does this put you guys under pressure, knowing that um, your fans are already saying, if you could go on beating, then you should go on beating in the Afghan as well?
1: Yeah, actually, I would say the... We don't have pressure. We believe in the quality of the players. We have good team. We have a lot of young boys in the team. So I believe there is no pressure. Every player have his role to play. But having a young team, does that count against you guys? Yes, actually it counts because the energy is not the same. I think it's positive, but I, uh, it's positive and actually we need maybe one or two Old, uh, experienced player good players in the team do you someone who try as much as possible to stay connected with your religion
5: christianity and um you've often say how much role you know god plays in your life and all that how
1: much of an influence does god and christianity in your career a lot a lot god protect me from a lot of things and uh i've seen it and i believe in it I believe in God, my family, everyone. So, and I will praise him wherever I go. And I trust in name.
5: Everyone's got their own favorite book. For some, it's Corinthians for you. I found out it's Psalms. And uh, (laughs) which book
1: of Psalms is yours, your favorite one? Mine is Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty.
0: And may the Almighty continue to protect you.
1: Amen. Amen. Thank you, boy.
0: That's Nigeria winger Moses Simon, who plays for Nantes in the French top flight. And the league starts this weekend, Simon talking there to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oloashina Okaleji. It was a surprise season last time as Lille won the league for the first time in 10 years, denying Paris Saint-Germain a fourth straight title. Uh, Lille won it by a single point as it went down to the final day. Uh, this time around, PSG are the favourites to win back the title. Uh, their manager, Mauricio Pochettino, was appointed in January this year, so this is his first full season in charge. Uh, one of their big signings is Morocco fullback back Atraf Hakimi, signing him from Inter Milan in Italy. Also signing Liverpool's Jeannie Wijnaldum, Senegal's Idrissa Gay, still with PSG, and another of their big signings, goalkeeper, Gianluigi Donnarumma, who was the Euro 2020 player of the tournament with Italy. So, you can see why PSG are the favourites for the title. Uh, Monaco finished third last season, Senegal's Crepin Diatta in their squad. Lyon finished fourth, Tino Kadewere, the exciting Zimbabwean forward, is uh, hoping to have a great season there. So lots of African players in France and Paris Saint-Germain, the favourites as the league kicks off this weekend. Right, that's it for the show for this week. But uh, before we go, a reminder of our question on social media: Who do you think is going to win the English Premier League and why? And will it be a close one this time around, or will Man City run away with it again? You can post a comment on our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. From me, Steve Vickers and Ephraim Tagu in Harare, from Aida Waringa in Nairobi, and Stuart Weir at the Olympics in Tokyo. Thanks a lot for listening, and Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.